Morena and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. I want to look this morning at what the Reserve Bank is up to. We obviously know last Wednesday they chose not to increase interest rates. Going into the meeting of the Monetary Policy Committee, pretty much everyone, in New Zealand at least, expected the Reserve Bank to put up the official cash rate by either 25 basis points or a significant number saw a full 50 basis point increase from 0.25 to 0.75. Now, as we all know, just before the meeting uh, uh, really finished uh, the previous afternoon, uh, we got news of the first Devonport Delta case. And so the Reserve Bank decided to hold the official cash rate at 0.25% and said that, uh, however, it was probably likely to increase later on down the track as the economy recovered. Well, last night we got a bit more insight from the Assistant Governor, Christian Hawkesby, about how the Reserve Bank's thinking. For example, uh, he says that the reason they didn't hike is because it really was the first day of lockdown, and it just wasn't possible to make that announcement that day. But reading between the lines of what he's saying, and you can see all the quotes in today's Dawn Chorus, the text version of the email, you can see the Reserve Bank is itching to, to hike and that uh, they don't see the end of lockdown as some sort of trigger to start the hikes. Uh, it's pretty clear that the Reserve Bank itself was looking at a 50 basis point hike last Wednesday. So that begs the question, could it do it at the next meeting, which is due on October the 6th, so about six weeks' time? He's saying that um, whether we're in lockdown or not doesn't really matter. They see a quite strong bounce back in the economy. They're concerned about supply restrictions being extended and putting inflationary pressure into the economy. So uh, you'd have to say from watching Christian Hawkesby in a Bloomberg interview that was published last night that the Reserve Bank is locked and loaded and ready to go for uh, interest rate hikes starting October the 6th, regardless of whether we're out of lockdown. Now, I suspect um, events change and uh, so do views uh, as things go on. And if, for example, the Delta outbreak was uh, raging at, on October the 6th, I doubt the Reserve Bank would hike interest rates, but certainly this is something to keep an eye on, just how incredibly hawkish the Reserve Bank is. In my view, I think that isn't justified by what we're seeing in terms of the inflation numbers, certainly the wage inflation numbers, and what we're seeing overseas. Now, very few people are talking about rate hikes in any form any time soon, certainly not until next year. Uh, and in fact, we'll be watching on Friday night for the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, for his um, big speech at the so-called Jackson Hole Symposium, which is where all the central bankers normally get together uh, and go hunting and fishing and shooting and talking about monetary policy. Of course, this year it's a full-on Zoom special. And you'd have to think our Reserve Bank um, governor or someone is tuning into that one. Uh, but um, but even there, the, the Jerome Powell is not expected to talk about rate hikes. He's only started expected to start laying the very gentle groundwork for starting to remove stimulus probably next year. And uh, the, all the data from overseas certainly shows that the Delta outbreaks are really affecting the global economy and slowing it down. 
We're also seeing signs from China of quite a significant slowing in the last couple of months. And it's interesting, Bloomberg is reporting that the Chinese central bank seems to be talking a little bit more about uh, loosening monetary policy. Separately, the central bank there has been quite cautious about loosening fiscal monetary policy because the way they do it in China is the head of the Communist Party tells the heads of the state-owned banks to go out and lend to their mates. And uh, they've been quite cautious about that in the last year or so because um, too much money had been lent to too many mates. And uh, they're trying to dial back on a lot of that because they fear that uh, there will be some poor lending decisions and um, bad debts that grow that build up. So we'll see whether the Chinese really do loosen policy. Um, we won't find out about it with an announcement of an official cash rate change. It'll be actually on the ground whether the banks are lending to their mates and they do report um, lending growth figures. So uh, all up, I think that the Reserve Bank is going for it with rate hikes from October the 6th. Uh, now, a lot of people in the housing market who are hoping for a bit of a slowdown um, will be pleased about that. And there's a bunch of local economists who are egging on the Reserve Bank to hike to try and cool down the housing market. I get that. But actually, I think the Reserve Bank is right to try and separate monetary and prudential policy, i.e. bank safety, from running the economy. And uh, I think they've done a reasonable job of doing that so far. Um, and I think they should uh, focus first on um, using monetary policy to support the economy when it needs. And sadly, uh, when the government doesn't use fiscal policy enough to do it, um, the Reserve Bank is left carrying the can. Uh, and the Reserve Bank has said in the last week or so they want to see fiscal policy as a way to respond to these sorts of crises. You could argue, well, that's what the government's doing with the half a billion already given out in wage subsidies and resurgence payments. Um, in my view, I think fiscal policy is not loose enough, particularly when it comes to direct payments to people who are struggling. And if you look down below in today's Dawn Chorus, you'll see some of the comments emerging from the uh, um, uh, anti-poverty activist sector, sector pointing out that there's no extra money for beneficiaries, um, no help for people who are truly homeless, in fact, less help than there was last time around, and uh, also asking the question, um, is the government's intervention to uh, help businesses very aggressively, very fast, without too many questions, are fair when uh, people on benefits are subject to all sorts of sanctions and um, do get prosecuted for uh, claiming money they're not entitled to, whereas still the likes of Harvey Norman, Fulton Hogan, and Fletcher Building have, um, and NZME, have uh, taken wage subsidies, not repaid it, but are now actively looking or have, or have already paid dividends to shareholders. Uh, I will be doing a piece this week on the ethics and the morality and the social license around the payment of wage subsidies to businesses, particularly at the same time when government policy, both Reserve Bank and central government policy, are pumping up asset prices. And, but at the same time, not redistributing uh, much of that wealth or any of that wealth to those people who have been hit the hardest by the um, lockdowns and job losses and wage losses, which are the young, the poor, Māori and Pacifica, and in particular renters have seen rents rise around 5% in the last year. 
Okay, what else is happening today? Uh, we've got a report out of CoreLogic, uh, which um, gathers together real estate data on prices and values and sales. And they put out their quarterly pain and gain report, which measures uh, the not just the median, uh, but the collective profits from property sales because they can measure when someone bought a property and when they sold it and how much it was bought and sold for and how long people held on to it. Typically people are holding on to properties for around about seven and a half years. The median profit for the houses sold in the June quarter was $347,500 per property. The collective capital gain for properties sold in the quarter was $5.9 billion. Now, we don't know exactly how much of that hasn't been taxed, but you'd have to say most of it, um, given that IRD seems remarkably reluctant or unable to collect much of the Brightline stuff that's uh, supposedly being collected, uh, or people who are going out of their way to um, trade properties as opposed to just hold them. The interesting question of intent still not really resolved and that's why we need a wealth tax um, in my view a land tax rather than a capital gains tax but by the by uh, so 5.92 billion dollars worth of capital gains in one quarter in the june quarter so you know we're talking upwards of 20 billion dollars worth of capital gain realized uh, every year at the moment untaxed so uh, that's the main story on the housing market. Watch out later on down in today's Dawn Chorus for some numbers from Wellington Council on how unhappy <laughs> repayers are. Very unhappy. Uh, also a few little scoops here and there. Interestingly, um, the government now has 11,000 rooms um, yet to be released in managed isolation for the rest of the year. Remember they've paused their main release of rooms. They didn't tell everyone, of course, that they're still leaving open four or five hundred rooms for um, people who are in emergency situations although lower down you'll see an, an article from a New Zealander living in Beirut with her husband who literally is starving to death but still cannot get a space in MIQ. Um, this is going to be continually an issue I think and the more of these stories we hear the better. Um, more to below on uh, what's happening with the outbreak um, in particular that uh, more than 50% of those with cases are Pacifica, particularly young Pacifica. Now there's some criticism and has been for the last couple of months and I reported on it in one of my podcasts that the Māori and Pacifica community are not happy with how well connected the DHBs and the public health units are with those in the Māori and Pacific communities and that is slowing down the rollout. There was also a fight um, a couple of months ago about whether or not to prioritise Māori and Pacifica. Uh, the government decided not to in the end and stuck with the age-based um, way of um, parceling out the doses as we got them. Uh, there was an argument by those in the community that because Māori and Pacifica are younger therefore more likely to spread it if they get it which we're finding out is true and uh, we know from the stats that Māori and Pacifica have more pre-existing conditions which means they're more likely to be hospitalized um, there was a case for essentially instead of targeting people by age or by medical condition targeting people by their ethnicity given that on the whole their that ethnicity is more vulnerable 
and also more potentially more infectious if not vaccinated and that's what we've found this time around um, obviously there's this horrible super spreader event at the AOG church in South Auckland sort of scary that a whole bunch of people then drove to the rest of the country having been there uh, and we're still finding out uh, whether we're in control of this seems like the next two or three days is crucial if we've got the line bending down by Friday or Saturday then we're in with a shot but um, jury's still very much out. Uh, also watch out for Scott Morrison having a crack at us and our elimination strategy, which um, is interesting. He, he used the example of the Croods. I haven't seen the movie, but apparently it's about a family stuck in a cave who have to make the decision about whether to venture out into the real world. Uh, and he compares New Zealand to the Croods staying in their cave, which is not very kind. Scott, it's not very kind, but I get it. And obviously you've seen my pieces in the last couple of days asking about how we think about getting out of the cave. Obviously not until we've got just about everyone vaccinated and we've done everything we can with public health measures to reduce spreads. But at some point we have to open up. Again, I am unelectable and unemployable, so I can say this stuff, but uh, it certainly got a bit of a debate going in the last couple of days. And um, now people are starting to see what's going on in Australia, where they've had this debate very aggressively for recent weeks, particularly in New South Wales. It's pretty clear now the Liberal, i.e. Conservative national governments, obviously Federal national and New South Wales national, or Liberal, as we'd see it, uh, they are all for opening up. The Labour states, New South Wales, sorry, the Labour states, which are Victoria, Queensland and Western Australia are still going for elimination and um, are not happy with Scott Morrison for having a crack at it. We'll see what goes on there. Uh, watch out too, I'm going to be doing another report on this shortly. Uh, the major electricity users group has come out with a report alleging that Meridian made $3.5 billion worth of super profits in the last 20 years and that the wholesale electricity market is broken. Uh, again, part of this debate about whether to uh, re-regulate the sector, potentially by separating, structurally separating the generators from the retailers. Uh, I'll do a bit more on that in another separate piece. And um, also some longer reads that's useful. Uh, one from Reuters in particular on how the uh, diabetes epidemic in America has been exposed horribly by the COVID-19 epidemic. Obviously, when the tide goes out, you find out who's in the worst position. Now, America has its own health system problems, but um, certainly obesity and type 2 diabetes is a factor for those who have to be hospitalized and or die because of COVID-19. And you've got to remember, we have the third highest obesity rate in the developed world in fact in the world behind america and mexico and of course our young maori and pacifica communities are amongst the most obese with the most problems with type 2 diabetes i think it was a mistake not to pull out um, those uh, groups um, and to vaccinate them first of course the government sensitive to the accusation that they're favoring a certain ethnic group when actually um 
what you're doing is trying to reduce the risks of some sort of outbreak in the Pacific Island community that spreads fast and hurts hardest because it is the most predisposed to hospitalization and deaths. And what are we seeing right now? Exactly that. So I, I, I think that was a mistake. Um, I haven't got a view on whether we should have gotten uh, doses of the vaccine earlier. Um, still not clear to me from the government whether they actually tried to um, essentially bribe Pfizer to give it to us early. We know the Canadians did. Um, the government has argued all along that uh, it couldn't get the doses any earlier, mainly because we didn't have outbreaks and the rest of the world did, citing the, um, the morality of taking doses out of the hands of countries that were um, you know, in complete crisis mode. I get that. But you've got to remember, there are millions of doses being handed out now by the Americans and others um, to all sorts of mates in various other places. Uh, you do wonder whether we should have um, paid up to get, get those doses a few months earlier. We might not be in this situation now. Okay. I have done more than enough in today's dorm chorus uh, and I will be back again tomorrow and also watch out for a piece on the electricity market later today. Thank you very much. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. Kakite anō.